And it's time now for our good friend, our master, not master gardener, our, our bird guy, Al Bad. Good morning, Al. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I was a master gardener till that one. That, well, it was a terrible meeting where they ripped <laughs> off my epaulets and broke my sword in half and just sent me down the road. So it was... It was a sad day, but... Well, you know, to be a master gardener, you have to do so much education every year, and then you have to do so yep. many volunteer hours, which you probably do, um, but you have to keep up all these records. So maybe is that the part where you sort of let her, yourself kind of go? Well, I did that for years. Okay. Uh, kept all those up and did programs in schools and helped take care of a garden and... Uh, and I don't know, you know, the local group kind of went away, and oh. I guess I just kind of went away with them. I don't know. I never, ever got anything saying, you know, if you don't do this, <laughs> you're <it's> out. Gone <laughs> or, yeah, never got anything. So I, I don't know. Maybe in some little uh, dusty file cabinet somewhere, I'm still listed as a uh, uh, a member of uh, low standing. So okay. I, I, I want to thank everybody at the New Haven, Connecticut Bird Club and at the First Presbyterian Church of Mankato for allowing me to uh, to babble a bit. So thank you all very, very much. I am looking out the window and I'm still having a Eurasian tree sparrow uh, in my yard, which mm. is just a really neat little bird. The sad part about the times that we have is getting other people out to see it they're not times meant for that uh, sadly mm -hmm. you know not not filling my office with strangers and things and you just it's just it, it's sad it's sad that part of it so uh but it's it's still here it, for my enjoyment anyway i guess if for nobody else's it's it's a strange bird, and it's just fun to see it. Is there I only is is there only one of them there? It seems like they would have yep. a friend or something. <laughs> no, and they're uh, they're a related species to the house sparrow. So oh. he or she, they both. Uh, if you saw one, most people would probably say that's a male house sparrow. But the female and the male Eurasian tree sparrows look alike. So I don't know if it's a male or a female. She's hanging out with them. They will hybridize. Uh, I could tell this isn't a hybrid because usually the hybrids have a bit of gray on the cap where the Eurasian tree sparrow's cap is chestnut, all chestnut color. I think he's a beautiful little bird. I've taken umpteen photos of him, and uh, I can't... I can't get him to smile, and I'm calling him him. And I, again, I have no idea if it's a him or her. Uh, she was here. Oh gosh, uh, I'm going to try to say she now on so on and he and alternated. Probably uh, the day before Christmas, and then disappeared. And then January seventh, I believe, I saw it again, and then it disappeared. And now it's back again. This uh, last winter storm blew in a huge flock of house sparrows. I don't know where they go. I'm assuming over to the neighbors for a while, and then they come back over here. Uh, the neighbors uh, aren't too terribly far down the road. It's a little bit, but if you're flying, it doesn't take long. And then they just all blow back in here again. So, And they are a cheerful lot. 
for those of you who have hung around with house sparrows, you know they're just they seem to be a happy bunch. Oh, sure, they're argumentative, but they just they're chirping all the time, and they're just uh, they're having a good time, and it fits right in with them. One of the differences is that it will go more to uh, like the hanging feeders maybe than house sparrows will. But it, I, I'm enjoying its company. I saw a glimpse of an exhibitor. It was, uh, oh, just like a shadow and then gone. You know, sometimes you're walking along, you see the shadow, and when they were kids, they were always boogities, you know, something <laughs> off there in the shadows. But this was just a, a flying bird. Boom, it was a shadow, and then it was gone. They move as fast as time. And it was either a Cooper's hawk or a sharp shin hawk. I, you know, I have no idea because I couldn't see it. So I called it a Shooper's hawk or a coop shin hawk, and I'm fine with doing that. I put these uh, feeders on my windows, and I just love these things. I rave about them all the time. A hairy woodpecker, which is the larger of those two woodpeckers that we see mostly. Uh, downy woodpecker is a small one, black and white. The male have a little red on its head. Hairy woodpecker is like a downy woodpecker that you put in your copy machine, but you set to enlarge. So you come out with a bigger woodpecker, and that's a hairy. And he flew into a window feeder containing suet, and the tired suction cups gave way, and the entire feeder fell to the ground while the woodpecker was on it. Well, before it hit the ground, the bird flew up into the air, just like we all said if we're in an elevator and it crashes to the ground, we'll just jump up in the air before it hits the ground. Well, that's kind of what this woodpecker did. Flew up in the air and landed on another feeder nearby where it looked down at the crashed feeder as if it were wondering who had pulled the ground out from under it. As I mentioned, I spoke virtually to the New Haven, Connecticut Bird Club, and they told me on their Christmas bird count, they produced 127 species. 127 wow. species of birds. I did one here in Minnesota that had 32. So I was Connecticut dreaming on such a winter's <laughs> day. I'd have had to do four bird counts here at 32 each just to beat the 127 species they had in Connecticut. A uh, pileated woodpecker spent uh, a little while in my yard. It appeared massive at the suet feeder. I've been a member of the American Birding Association, the ABA, for a goodly number of years, and the ABA is a nonprofit organization founded in 1969 that's dedicated to recreational birding primarily in the continental United States, Hawaii, and Canada. There's some other areas too, but that's that's the primary. And each year, the ABA picks its bird of the year. And this year, it's a pileated woodpecker or pileated woodpecker. How do you pronounce that? It's woodpecker. <laughs> uh, Carol Thomas of Minneapolis sent me this. Said, "Al, this is up from the egg, the confessions of a nuthatch avoider." by Ogden Nash. Bird watchers top my honors list. I aim to be one, but I missed. Since I'm both myopic and astigmatic, my aim turned out to be erratic. And I bespectled then binocular, exposed myself to comment jocular. We don't need too much bird lore, do we, to tell a flamingo from a toey. Yet I cannot and never will, unless the silly bird stands still. 
and there's no enlightenment so obscure as ornithological literature. Is yon strange creature a common chickadee or a migrant alouette from Picardy? You rush to consult your nature guide and inspect the gallery inside, but a bird in the open never looks like its picture in the birdie books. Or if it once did, it has changed its plumage and plunges you back into ignorant gloomage. That is why I sit here growing old by inches, watching the clock instead of finches. But I sometimes visualize in my gin the Audubon that I ought to been. And Karen, you and I visit a little bit about uh, blue snow. Yes, yeah, somebody was had a conversation about blue snow uh, they saw, and it was posted on Facebook, and I, I was kind of, kind of chuckled at what it was. So if you've ever seen it, it's you can I'll let you chat about it since this is kind of your area. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, we don't eat the yellow snow. Don't eat, eat the, the blue, blue snow. snow either. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's uh, what we could. Uh, that would be the lesson here. Uh, blue snow in the yard is made from the urine of rabbits, most often, but also of deer. So if you have a place where deer hang out, you'll probably see blue snow. And they get this, oh, I don't know if we call it a condition. I get this coloring, I guess, because they have eaten buckthorn. Aha. Uh-huh. So that produces blue snow. But I remember, oh gosh, I don't know how many years and years ago, I'm out uh, uh, snowshoeing, and I'm going along, and I look down, and here's all, it was deer, and so they were in this one area. There was blue snow everywhere, and I thought, what can be going on here, that we have blue snow? Is this a meteorological mystery? And uh, uh, I looked around a little bit, played... uh, uh, detective and saw that the uh, deer had left uh, droppings there also and, and in my yard I see it primarily rabbits ah. that will eat buckthorn in the winter it's the berries it. right not just the the not the buckthorn tree it's it's the, the berries correct primarily it's the berries but uh, they might be able to get a little blue color of other things but oh. primarily it's the berries yeah okay and I I tried uh, eating a, a buckthorn berry a couple of times, and it, it wasn't good. I, I wouldn't recommend it. And more power to those critters that can eat them. And uh, I would think you'd have to be really hungry to eat them, but who knows? I'm not a deer or a rabbit. Oh, it, you and I got a nice note from Miss Lona. It said, in answer, do deer go on porches? Some of her neighbors spotted a buck walking up the sidewalk and onto a porch right there in the, the beautiful city. They said the buck seemed to want a tour. But it didn't house. say if it climbed steps. See, now, we were talking about would it go on the deck. Now, there's pretty steep uh, steps on the deck, yeah. so I don't think they had a, a steep step. So I'm hoping, because I was hoping to protect my bird feeders from the deer eating everything. So, And I've had everything on my deck except the deer, I think. Okay. Uh, they, they come there. I have a bird waterer on the deck, so that attracts all kinds of uh, things that will come up there and drink the water, too. But I have not seen a deer, and ours is uh, sounds like yours, where there's steps where they'd have to go up. So I know cows never wanted to go on steps, so no. maybe deer have that, too. Uh, Paul Melchow, who is the managing editor of The Land, a fine publication, said, Al just saw a flock of eight swans coming out of a cornfield in Lesueur County last week. 
thanks, Paul. Uh, Jeannie Steinbrink of Lyle said, Al, I'm so excited. Got to see another new bird today that I've never seen before, a white-winged crossbill. This crossbill was very photogenic as well, sitting in the feeder for 15 minutes. The crossbill is the third new bird this past year that I'd never seen before, in addition to the scarlet tanager last spring and the evening growth beak earlier this winter. Sure glad to have retired last year so I could be home to enjoy seeing these birds. So uh, thank you, Jeannie. I sent Jeannie a book, and she was kind enough to say she enjoyed it. So, it, You know, whether people really do or not, what really matters is they just say they enjoy it. That's all it takes. Uh, Tim Scott, good friend Tim, sent me a couple articles from the New York Times. And one, uh, I'd read something in another publication a few weeks ago, but the New York Times had some recent news on this. It said the racing pigeons seem to have traveled far from Oregon when it showed up weak and hungry in a backyard in a Melbourne suburb in Australia. Mm-hmm. They said it came from Oregon, ended up in Australia. Someone decided to name it Joe after President Biden, but Australian officials fearing the spread of germs from a foreign bird, would not bend the rules. The bird must die. Australia has uh, notoriously strict biosecurity laws. The numbers on the bird's leg ban match those of a bird from the Oregon pigeon race that began on October 29th, and a male bird had gone missing from that. And the American pigeon Pigeon Racing Union, which said the bird was registered to someone in Alabama, so they said, well, it was from uh, the guy who found it, said I I probably should have named him Donald, maybe that way we could have got a presidential pardon or diplomatic immunity. A local pigeon rescue group said on Facebook that seen plenty of local birds wearing the same type of band found on Joe's Lake. We believe he's not an American pigeon at all, rather an Australian pigeon wearing a knockoff American ring that anyone could buy off eBay, the organization said. A spokeswoman for the American Racing Pigeon Union also said that Joe's band was probably counterfeit and that he was in all likelihood an Australian pigeon. So finally, the Department of Agriculture announced in a statement that it had concluded that Joe the Pigeon is highly likely to be Australian. The department said it was satisfied that the bird's leg band is a fraudulent copy of a legitimate leg band, and Joe has been spared the death sentence. The guy is still feeding it. He said if Joe decides to leave, he can. If he stays, we'll just keep feeding it. The other one that uh, Tim sent me is about the resident bird's at the Tower of London. One of them has died. Uh, It's a raven. Legend says that at least six must be kept there or the nation will fall. So it's by a royal decree, at least six ravens must be kept at the Tower of London. Well, one of them died or just disappeared. They figure it's died. There's currently seven there, so it's still okay. It's uh, many doomed alumni of that Tower of London. I I would guess the most famous and most well-known by most of us included two wives of Henry VIII. 
So it was, uh, it's good news, bad news both. They're still okay, got seven, need six. And Karen, you were kind enough to send me something that's available now. It's a new pollinator critical habitat license plate. Yeah, so you know they have the ones with the little, is it the chickadees that you can get some place? That's what I have, yep. and, and they have ones with, uh, you know, different themes on it. But this this is the latest one. It's got the, the bee, the rusty patch bumblebee, and the monarch butterfly on it. And that's one I thought that's really cool because, you know, I support pollinators and pollinator gardens. And so it's the, the one when you order your license plate. I think you pay a little extra, and then the money goes toward benefiting the, I guess, that the habitat or something so anyhow it's a really cool picture if you have a chance to look it up online it's the the new pollinator license plate i like it oh it's beautiful and it is uh this that's our state bee and butterfly too so it's yep. not just any random bee and butterfly and there's also a native my memory serves me right there's a native wildflower the purple prairie clover that was on there with them oh okay so yep. you'd have to have something on there so it's other than just you had to have something for them to rest on and eat and find uh, nourishment. Uh, Brian Smith of Sleepy Eye saw a sharp-shinned hawk in Redwood County. Uh, Tom Bovers has a yellow-rumped warbler in Rice County. Dave Barkey, also in Rice County, has a western meadowlark and a fox sparrow. And Vicki... Now, last week, I thought I was being so clever. Her last name is L-A-U-R-U-H-N. And I thought, boy, I'll bet it's going to be Lauren. Mm-hmm. And, of course, eh, I no. was wrong. <laughs> uh, Vicki said it sounds like maroon with an L, so it's Laroon. Oh. So I apologize, uh, Vicki. I just, but, you know, whenever I think I've got a last name right, I can almost, I'd be willing to go to the bank and bet money I've got it wrong. But thanks, Vicki. Uh sent me a photo of an exhibitor and said it's back uh, unafraid to show herself or himself another and i believe it's a sharp shinned hawk it's another bright spot on our little lower no roof backyard always fun to be with you on tuesday's blessings thank you vicky very very much and i i appreciate the uh, pronunciation tip on your last name because i would I'd continue to say Lauren and think I was so clever. Oh, I I heard from two listeners saying, when is the mating season for squirrels? They didn't say which uh, type of squirrel. Uh, I'm assuming they're referring to tree squirrels, because around here when we say squirrels, we, uh, we refer to tree squirrels. Fox squirrels mate twice a year. Those are the big kind of orange ones, the biggest one we have. But do they have pretty big litters, too, though? Uh, You know, not really. Two to four. Oh, no, that's not too bad compared to, like, rodents. (laughs) Yeah, it's a manageable group. I I can't imagine being the parent of a squirrel. uh, Gail and I were (laughs) foster parents, and um, they're a rambunctious bunch, and I, I don't know how well they listen and behave. But these guys are mating now, December to February, and then again June and well, probably through the end of July for fox squirrels. Uh, gray squirrels also mate twice a year. It's now again December to February. A little bit different, uh, June through August, a little bit later. And uh, they, I said two to, 
gray squirrel have two to four, and I'm going to amend what I said about fox squirrels. I believe they are two to three. Hmm. So they have uh, probably one less, maybe. So two to three for fox squirrels, two to four for for gray squirrels. And then we have the little guys, the little red squirrels. And they mate in late winter, and they have two to five babies. Uh, red squirrels typically have only one litter per year, but in some years, reproduction is skipped entirely. Huh. And in other years, some females may breed twice. Why? I don't know. Nutrition. How is uh, the mortality, you know, because I think a lot of times you hear about animals having a lot of offspring, but a lot of times they don't make it. Do squirrels generally make it? I would think their mortality rate would be very high. Uh, the one that comes to mind is possums who have these huge litters because hardly any of them make it to adulthood. They start out so small and they're slow moving and it's just, uh, so I don't know what percent, but I would guess the mortality rate is huge hmm. among squirrels. There's so many things that want to get them and uh, they just, you know, some are going to have bad luck and it's just, not going to go well because you know the babies of all three of those species are born hairless yet they're completely independent when they're 12 weeks old so you can imagine that those baby squirrels are probably subject to all kinds of predation because they're only 12 weeks on earth and they can't be knowing everything what they should avoid uh, all three of those species nest in hollow trees or in treetop dens called drays, which are those ball-shaped nests made oh. of leaves, twigs, and bark. And sometimes one squirrel will have maybe three of them. They'll have one uh, that they're not using for nests just to sleep in. They'll have one maybe not far from your feeders. And then if they eat too much, they just go up there and go, Phew, I'm having a nap. They might have the primary one where they sleep, and then they might have one over in another area in case they get caught in the, getting dark or something. They can go there. Do so they, they will share off. homes with each other, for example, since they've got, you know, three houses? Why not share? Or, or is that not the, the kind of thing if somebody, another kind of family comes along and says, hey, I'm going to sleep here or not? Yeah, it's. Uh, I suppose you could sleep in another ones as long as they weren't there. But if they come oh. along, then you would probably have a battle on your hands. <laughs> Other than when they have, uh, when Ma has the kids, they're not real. They're not all that much into sharing. You know, they just. Uh, I remember we had the barn cats, and they would drink milk. Mm-hmm. And we put milk, and there'd always be one tomcat. We'd put it in two dishes. And he would reach over with a paw and pull the one dish over by the dish he was drinking of <laughs> and then kind of cover it with his body because he wasn't all that much into sharing. He, he he wanted to drink till he was full, and then he was very giving after that. He'd say, here you go, help yourself. And uh, squirrels are probably like that tomcat, that big old yellow tomcat we have. Speaking of tomcats, I have um, this bird water on my deck that has a rock in it so yeah. that the birds can perch on that and drink and things. In the early morning, before it gets light, there's a big yellow tomcat comes and sits on that rock and warms up because a little bit of steam comes off the water there and just sits there, just looks around and gets a nice warm feeling from that, and as soon as it gets light, he waddles off and does whatever he does the rest of the day. 
lost my place. Oh, why are they called evening grosbeaks? That's a great question. Um, grosbeaks, I still want to see one this year in my yard, and I'm just hoping every day. Um, grosbeak comes from the French word gros, and that's for thick. And bec, a French word which means beak, and these finches have really thick beaks. So they're strong enough to crack cherry pits. Uh, John James Audubon never saw this bird, and the grosbeak wasn't even described to science until 1825. It shares the name of the rose-breasted grosbeak. The two really aren't closely related. The rose-breasted grosbeak is in the cardinal family, while the evening grosbeak is uh, just a big finch. And it was named the evening grosbeak. It's funny how we name things. It's just by chance, because it was thought to sing mostly at dusk, which is incorrect as it's vocal most of the day. And they are vacuum cleaners at feeders, feathered hogs at a trough. A friend in North Carolina told me of a man in that state who had fed over a ton of sunflower seeds, oh my. primarily to a flock of these beautiful grosbeaks in his yard. Uh, evening grosbeak populations have dropped steeply, according to the North American Breeding Bird Survey, many possible causes. There seems to be a lot of them this year because there was a spruce budworm outbreak in Quebec and Ontario. And uh, just uh, it, that's good for evening grosbeaks, pine siskins, and purple finches. So there were, uh, we saw the pine siskins earlier. There were so many of them, a great eruption. And so I'm still hoping. I've had reports in, from Lyle and Albert Lee and a couple folks in, in Iowa have said they're seeing evening grosbeaks. And then uh, a lot of other states are seeing a lot of them. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm going to see this one. See, Al, a couple uh, of minutes ago you mentioned cats. You were talking about the tomcat. Yeah. Did you see our friend TJ has now started a new Facebook page? It's um, for cats, Lost Cats Medelia, he calls it. And he, yeah. he says he's been living here in Medelia for over 12 years, and uh, he said the town has a serious problem with a truly astonishing number of wild, homeless, lost, and feral cats. So he's been trying to photograph and document the homeless cats, and he's also been catching wild kittens and taking them in, and he gets them fixed and finds new homes. And so he's put out this new uh, page on Facebook called Medelia or lost cats, Medelia, and so if uh, someone, he says, if you find a cat, you lose a cat, you got a cat that needs a home, or looking for a nice cat to invite into your home. So he's hoping that his group will help out with that. So he's got a whole bunch of pictures of the, the beginning of his project that he started in November of 2019, a family of wildcats walking down the street. And he's I, he, just an amazing guy. He, you know, of course, is a herpetologist, but uh, now he's taken on this whole project of, of taking these cats and, and, I mean, actually getting them fixed. I mean, what a what a cool project and neat way to hopefully find homes for some of these felines. So I just wanted to make sure you mentioned him and, and the, the great work that he's doing down in Medelia. Um, you know, my life has been blessed by knowing so many wonderful people. Karen Wright, for instance, oh. <laughs> and, and TJ, and uh, all these wonderful listeners. It, the world is has so many just uh, incredible people in there. And, TJ, I appreciate that. And the one vital thing in there is finding a home, finding yes. a home for these cats. Uh, it's just 
being an outdoor cat, folks, it's not a good life. It's just it's hard on them. They're short-lived. Uh, there's so many things out there from from dogs to coyotes to somebody's car to somebody that's uh, raptors. Uh, maybe ha- yeah, or somebody will shoot them. You know, a lot of people don't like cats. I know that's and, sad. Uh, yeah, and it's just it, it's not the cat's fault. It's just things happen. So it's it's wonderful. Uh, I am a. I don't. I'm not a cat owner. <laughs> Whatever say they were a cat owner. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, no I think he, he's he takes them in. His, he's got a, a place where he actually takes them in, and he, he you know feral cats are sometimes very obviously very wild. But he works with them and makes them so they're friendly. At least you know that that they can work with them. And I just think that's the coolest thing. And then getting them the the uh, fix, so then we aren't continuing to populate with too many cats so i just want to do a shout out and say what great work he's doing and i I just uh, thank him for doing that work and if anybody's needing a cat and wants that information please let us know because we'll we'll want to help him out as well so fyi and i i agree and thanks for bringing that up he yeah he's like a bronc buster you know they used to go in and uh, break the wild horses Uh, tj is doing this with the the wild cats because that's really what a lot of them are it's and you can see why they are. Like I say, it's just a terrible life out there, and especially in places like Minnesota. Yeah, this the, the time of year. just aren't, aren't conducive to be a cat or anything else here. Say, Al, before you go, I, we've got another great listener that uh, one of our friends, it's a listener that wants to uh, has a question for you. And, of course, he always starts sure. it with, Al, we'll know this. Our friend John yeah. says, what did the duck say when it bought ChapStick? Uh, put that on my bill. Yeah. Okay. You you got that one. And he uh, he also says the, the the he's back at work again because the theater's open again. So uh, oh, that's, I'm glad. I, yeah. I was thinking about him the other day at the theater over there, and and uh, boy, I'll expect my prize in the mail. I I don't. I got one <laughs> right. I'm thinking a brand new Buick probably right. will be what I'll be getting from John. So. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're back at work, John. hope your family's health is, is good and, and well. Um, folks, I, I talk to a lot of people. I'm, I'm blessed in life, and I find the easiest thing for me to do when talking to these people is to mispronounce the names of people. First names are only slightly e- easier than last names, but I blame my incompetence on a boyhood spent where last names like Benson, Johnson, Hanson, Sorensen, Larson, Carlson, Erickson, Thompson, Anderson, Christensen, Peterson, Jensen, Olson, and Nelson were prevalent. And to make it even easier, some ended in S-O-N and some ended in S-E-N, but they were pronounced the same. We had uh, other easy-to-say names in the neighborhood, like Smith and Miller. I've never called 2020 by any other name. And despite maybe a little bit of a hurry to show 2020 the door, I find myself writing 2020 on things instead of 2021. Uh, My my mind's failure to turn the calendar is an annual occurrence that causes me to say, Great Scott. That may be why on a rare day when I was set free to roam the world to run a couple of errands, I noticed my shirt was a bit askew. Why should it be normal? I'd button it wrong. 
by then I was out where people could see me on a warm January day. I dressed in the dark. That's my lame excuse, and I'm sticking with it. I had to decide which was the thing I wanted to do the least, taking the time to rebutton or to look like a dork. <laughs> I'd, I'd look like a dork whether or not my buttons found the proper buttonholes, and I needed to impress no one, so I greeted the world with my shirt off kilter. I'm no worse for the experience because I made it through 2020. I want to thank you, Karen, as always. Uh, you know, everybody says you can't go wrong with right, and That's boy, right. they are right. <laughs> I, I appreciate everyone for listening. It's great to hear from you. I hope you have just the, the, the day that you have dreamed all your life of today. And do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, for your wonderful company. Thank you, Al. It's always great to chat with you, and we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, happy bird watching. And I will uh, just stride the earth with a great confidence because I got one of John's riddles correct. Yes, you should. That's your prize for the day, just having the pride of, of doing that. All right. I'm bolstered. <laughs> yes. All right, bye. bye, Al. <laughs> All right. Our